Let me pray for us. Father, we, uh, we come to this last sermon uh, in the series on prayer. And we are, uh, I am, uh, blown away by this invitation that you give us to come to you in prayer. And so this morning, as we consider Jesus' teaching on prayer one last time, <clears throat> help us uh, not to leave here with more information about prayer, uh, but help us to leave here this morning uh, with a desire to pray. And we ask this in your son's name. Amen. Prayer is the, um, prayer is the natural, a natural reflex of the soul. Uh, I want you to think with me of all of the religions that you know uh, that have prayer as a central component of what it means to follow in that particular system of faith, right? Think of certainly the, 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 the three you know, largest religions in the world, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, uh, lots of other religions, even people who are not religious but would just claim some, some uh, a version of spirituality, Many times prayer is also a part of the way in which uh, that spirituality is expressed. And even people who claim no religion at all, no spirituality at all, will still use the language very similar to prayer. Just this past week, I was meeting a neighbor for the first time, uh, and I, I know nothing about where this particular neighbor is in terms of faith uh, of any kind. But it was interesting uh, we were talking about something that was going on in his in his life, uh, and he said, "Well, I'm going to speak some good intentions into the universe." That's prayer, right? Prayer is ingrained into who we are, and the reason that I believe prayer is ingrained into who we are is because the Father invites us to have conversation with Him. That's what prayer is. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, prayer is a conversation between us and God. Uh, and, and the reason that God has uh, instilled this invitation into the very core of who we are is because he has created us to have a relationship with him. That's how we've been made. That's how, we've been, uh, that's how God has formed us, uh, the very core and very essence of who we are. Uh, and so prayer, even if it's not Christianity, prayer is a very natural reflex. Now, as a Christians, we believe that prayer is a specific invitation that God gives us in order to have a relationship with him. Uh, and, and so we said that prayer is bringing of our desires and needs to God the Father through Jesus with the help of Holy Spirit. So in this particular passage that we look at, so this is Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. And so you notice if you're paying attention, it's, it's, it's different. There are several differences between Luke's version and Jesus's version. More than likely, uh, you know, there are certain aspects of Jesus's teaching that we know that he was an itinerant teacher. So he was teaching a lot of the same material uh, in different settings. Uh, and so um, when he's teaching this particular time, what happens is right after he gives his teaching on the Lord's Prayer, he follows it up with this parable about a visitor at midnight uh, and these two little other small segments of teaching uh, and, and I, as I was studying it, I thought this is God is, excuse me, Jesus is explaining to us the nature of the invitation that God is giving us to pray. And so we're going to see two things this morning. First of all, we're going to see that prayer is, uh, um, we're going to see an invitation to pray persistently. Uh, and secondly, we're going to see an invitation to pray 
expectantly. Okay, those are the two points that we're looking at this morning. So first of all, uh, a pr- an invitation to pray persistently. Verses 5 to 8 of our passage are speaking about our approach to God in prayer, about the way that we come to him in prayer. And Jesus tells us a parable. Now, Jesus often taught in parables. Parables are these these, uh, ways that Jesus would tell stories, and the telling of the story invited you to reflection and a consideration of what it is that Jesus was trying to communicate. Uh, And so the key with the parable is often that we have to find out what's the central point that Jesus is trying to communicate. There are other things that shoot out of the parables, but we want to find out, okay, what's the main thrust of the parable? And then from there, we can kind of get a sense of what are the other things that Jesus is talking about. Well, in this particular story, uh, we have uh, an individual who has a guest come in the middle of the night. Now, this is, we have to, you know, erase everything that we know, right? There was no text message saying, hey, I'm going to be in at midnight. There's no refrigerator stocked with food because you're expecting your guests to come. There is no in and out for you to grab a little late night snack before you get to your host's home, right? All of that is off the table. Uh, And so this individual arrives uh, and it is an unexpected guest. I mean, this is not, you know, th- it's um, the, the host. Let's, let's make ourselves the host, shall we? we? We are not prepared. The bread is gone. There's no food. It's midnight. And we live in a culture where hospitality is an absolutely fundamental aspect of, of what it means to be a human being. Very similar. You know, Aaron was talking earlier about uh, you know, being a good neighbor to the Afghan refugees living on our street. Any of you who have been a part of a good neighbor team, any of you who've traveled uh, into certain cultures and other parts of the world, you know that hospitality is absolutely fundamental. So, so when you go to an Afghan family's house, you just have to like mentally prepare yourself. They're going to serve me tea and it's rude for me to say no, even if I don't like tea. I'm going to have to drink the tea and they're going to offer me food and I'm just going to have to eat it because that's what it means to be a gracious guest as they're trying to be a gracious host. And so, so you have this individual and, and, he, and we're thinking to ourselves, because this is now our culture, right? We're, we're, we're the host. It would be shameful for me to have this guest come into my house in the middle of the night after a long journey and I don't have anything to provide for them, but I've been caught unprepared. What do I do? I know I'm going to go wake up my neighbor, right? Now, that's just as unneighborly un, un, uh, back then as it is today, right? But I'm so desperate, I've got to do something. So I'm going to go wake up my neighbor. My neighbor and I, uh, we live in probably a one-room house. So, so you know, you're, but you're not too loud because you don't want to wake up the kids, right? You're knocking on the door. What do you want? Hey. I just had an unexpected guest arrive. Can you just give me three pieces of bread so I can give him some food? Leave me alone. In fact, what is, what is actually the, uh, in verse seven, we see, don't bother me. <laughs> I'm sleeping. The door's locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything, right? Um, I got to find a candle. I got to go rummage through the food, you know, where we keep our food store. I got to open the door. I don't have to be like crawling over children in order to not wake them up, leave me alone. And Jesus says, not because they're your neighbor, 
but because you keep pestering them, right? And the phrase that Jesus uses in the NIV is shameless audacity. In, um, I forget which other versions. One version of the Bible says persistence. Another version says boldness. One version I think says impudence. Um, because of your persistence in going and asking for this bread, the neighbor will say, finally, okay, fine, leave me alone. Here it is. Now, you probably lost that neighbor for a while, but, you know, nonetheless. And this is what Jesus says it is like for us to be persistent in prayer, right? That we, we have this invitation. So it's not just that God, so this is where you have to, like, understand the parable. The parable is not about God being a neighbor who doesn't want to be bothered, right? The parable is about the way that we approach God. And when we approach God, we're not waking him up in the middle of the night. That's not who he is, right? That's you see the parable breaks down if we start applying it to God in that way. That's not what the parable is about. The parable is telling us that we can approach God uh, when we need something. Kids, when you need something and you go to your mom and dad, they give it to you, right? Like if you need, if you're hungry and it's dinner time, they're going to feed you. If you want your back scratched tonight, they're going to scratch your back when, they, when you want to be tucked in. Like they give you the things that you need. Guess what? Our heavenly father does exactly the same thing. Now, remember, this is teaching on the heels of, right, right after Jesus' teaching on the Lord's Prayer. So Jesus, we've just spent six weeks, seven weeks if you count the introductory sermon, right? Uh, looking at all of the different petitions of the Lord's Prayer and what we've seen throughout that entire thing is this is the way that God provides these are the things that the Lord wants to provide for you. And so he's inviting you, pray. Pray for these things. Pray that my kingdom would be on earth as it is in heaven because God's kingdom is a good kingdom. And if God's kingdom is on earth as it is in heaven, this earth will be a lovely place to dwell in. Pray that your daily bread would be met, right? The physical and spiritual needs that you have. And thank the Lord for the people he puts in your life that are the means by which he provides that bread. Pray for forgiveness. At, you know, we all need to be forgiven. And he's like, I'm ready to forgive. But then also pray for you to have a heart that's willing to forgive other people. Pray for protection. Because the, our God is a God who wants to protect us. So it's all there, right? He's, he's giving us this roadmap of all of the different things that we can ask for. And he's saying, be persistent. Keep asking. That's the first point. The second point is that we're invited to pray expectantly. So verses five to eight are helping us to focus on our approach to God in prayer. Then verses nine to 13 are talking about the father we are approaching in prayer. So here, the emphasis on the father. Uh, and, the, and what we see is that there's an expectation that our father is going to answer our prayer. Now, can I just be honest with you? I have a hard time believing this. Am I, is it just me? All right, a couple of hands, a couple of sheepish little hands, right? The rest of them are lying. We're being honest, Elsie. Um, uh, uh, Elise, sorry. Um, so uh, this is a hard thing. And so here's the tension, right? On the one hand, on the one hand, if we're not careful uh, we can approach this and see God as a vending machine, right? Pop in the right prayer, 
hit the right button, cha-ching, I got what I wanted. On the other hand, our approach can be, you know, okay, yeah, whatever. Uh, and, and, you know, your picture of God is, you know, um, the guards that stand outside of Buckingham Palace, right? Uh, you know, they stand real stiff and you can do whatever you want in front of them. And they're just like, they're not moving. And, and if I'm honest, if I'm going to oscillate between, if I'm between like which view of God I have in prayer, I'm, I'm less tempted to think of God as a vending machine. And I'm going to be more tempted to think of God as that unmoved person, right? That's where I, sh- that's my struggle point in prayer. Um, and, and so here, this is pushing us uh, for those of us who are on this side, it's pushing us like, no, really pray, pray, pray. Uh, and for those of us who think that God is a vending machine, it's, well, remember the Lord's prayer. How is God asking you to pray for him? How is he asking you to approach him? So as we come, right, uh, we, we are given these three words, ask, seek, knock. Now, those are commands, if, you, if you're looking at like the original language, all three of those words are commands. When somebody gives you a command, what does that mean? Do it, right? Do it. Um, and so what, what I think is happening here is that Jesus, the, the repeated um, use of these words is Jesus's way of saying, do this again and again and again, right? Kids, when you need something, you ask, do you just ask once and then walk away? No, you ask again, right? We're the same way. Adults are the same way, right? When we need something, we ask. We don't get it. We ask again. And that's what Jesus is inviting us to do. And as he's inviting us to do that, he's saying, look, when you, not, when you seek something, what does Jesus say? Where's the verse? Here it is. So I say to you, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Why? Because everyone who seeks, receive. Everyone who asks, receive. Everyone who seeks, find. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. God answers prayer. Full stop. God answers prayer. Uh, and, And so it's not, you know, this is again, the parable, right? It's not, hey, God, are you up there? Oh, excuse me, I'm waking up. No, he, he hears us. And he is ready to answer us. And then just to, to give us one more layer of understanding about who God is, he's, Jesus starts talking to us about what it means that he's our father. And notice what he says. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So uh, fathers, well here, so let me back up. Some of us may have had fathers who would have given us a snake when we asked for a fish. Some of us may have had fathers or mothers who gave us a scorpion when what we needed was an egg. Um, but here's the thing, right? Um, that that's not the way it's supposed to be, right? We all know that that is not the way that it's supposed to be. And so what Jesus is doing here is he is, he's, he's zeroing in on what a father is supposed to be like. And he's saying, that's what your heavenly father is like. And so when we come to this, we, we've got some challenges, right? Because there are some, there are some lies 
that we are prone to believe about what it means for God to be our father. Uh, And these are lies that we can either tell ourselves or they're lies that that uh, we, you know, last week we talked about the, the devil and we didn't get into the idea of deception that much, but, but the devil deceives us. So, so these are lies that we can believe, we can tell ourselves. These are lies that the devil can tell us. These are lies that maybe uh, get um, uh, communicated in broader culture. And so we have to be aware of what these lies are. And the first lie is that God is not really uh, our father. Uh, and the way that that lie gets worked out is that, especially for those of us as Christians, that, that we think, oh, I'm not really forgiven. I'm, I don't really belong. I, I'm, I'm an orphan, right? This is this orphan mentality that says I can't really, God, yes, you know, yes, God saved me from my sin, but I'm not really his child. And so when we come to prayer, we come with this orphan mentality that affects the way that we pray. And as a result, um, you know, we, we end up, our prayers end up being really a, a shadow of what they could otherwise be. So that's one lie. The second, and so what do we do when there's a lie, right? We speak truth into it. And the way that we speak truth to the lie is uh, Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the time had fully come, God sent Jesus to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption to sonship. Right? So at the core, why does Jesus go into Jerusalem? It's Palm Sunday. Why does Jesus go into Jerusalem? Right? Why, why does he get crucified? Why does he come back from the dead? To save us. But, but, but salvation is in part adoption. Right? Salvation is in part that you are sons and daughters of the king and that you're adopted to sonship. And that word is really important because you're all adopted to get the inheritance. So you have a spirit of adoption that's given to you. Romans 8, 15, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you may live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive has brought you about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. Right? So you have a spirit of adoption, and that spirit of adoption says your father really is your father. That, so that's the first lie. The second lie is that he's not a good father. Right? And this is what I was saying before, right? It's easy for us, especially those of us who've not had great fathers, uh, to, to filter in the, uh, the, the bad narratives that we have about what a father is. And, and in opposition to that, Jesus comes in and says, let me tell you about your heavenly father. Your father in heaven will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Now, I, I didn't think about this when I laid the sermon series out, but as I was writing the sermon this week, I was like, man, I can't think of a better way to end the sermon series on prayer than to end by talking about Holy Spirit. Because notice what's happening here. What Jesus is saying here is that um, what Jesus is saying here is that the Spirit is, in part, the answer to your prayers. Now, <clears throat> notice what happens here. Um, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of adoption, but Holy Spirit is also the Spirit of prayer. Romans 8. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Jesus is inviting us to pray persistently. He's inviting us to pray expectantly. 
And he knows we can't do that by ourselves. But we don't have that in us. And that's okay. Because part of the salvation that we get is adoption, but the other part of the salvation that we get is the spirit of God. And that spirit, when you're just at a loss and you don't know how to pray, he's there with you. The, the, this morning, I was lying in bed this morning, have something on my mind, nothing earth shattered, nothing bad, just something on my mind that's been occupying my thoughts. And I was just lying in bed. I'm like, I don't even know how to pray about this. I don't even know how to wrap my mind around this question. And, and I was like, all right, I dose of my own medicine. I'm about to preach on this. Um, and I'm not going to lie. It was hard, but I knew as I was like, you know, preaching the gospel to myself this morning, I was like, all right, so I, I'm going to say this. I think I believe it, right? God is with me and helping me as I'm praying through this to get more clarity about the question that I was thinking about. And you better believe I was praying pretty persistently this morning because it was really bothering me. This is the invitation that you and I have, right? Your heavenly father, who, who because of faith in Christ, has adopted you to be his, his daughter or his son, um, he is a good father, and he's saying, I want you to talk to me. I want you to pray with me. I, I want you to bring your needs to me. As I was uh, a few weeks ago, Chad and I were talking about this sermon series, uh, and he, he, he dug up this old sermon by Dick Kaufman. If you don't know who Dick Kaufman is, Dick Kaufman's the pastor who, who started Harbor City. Uh, and so I, I listened to the sermon. It was great. I was like, oh man, can I just like steal this? It was so good. Um, so I'm going to steal the application. I am going to steal the application. So this is a Dick Kaufman application. Uh, and what he said was, and I found so interesting, like, you know, think, think of your week and think of the, the urgency of needs that appear just throughout the week. Think of the, of the, of the, the meetings that you're going to have. I'm just thinking, just, you know, I'm still getting to know you all, but as I'm getting to know everybody, like I know several people that I've had conversations with uh, in the last couple of weeks who've had big tests like professional exams and certifications and tests for graduate school, right? There's urgency in that, right? Uh, I know several of you who have either recently are or are hoping to change jobs. There's urgency in that, right? There's need. Um, I know because of the nature of human relationships, right, that, that there are all of us who've got relationships that we're trying to navigate, and sometimes those relationships can be really hard. I'm, I'm positive that every, you know, that probably many of us here in this room uh, have, have either had to receive forgiveness or have had to express forgiveness to somebody else. And so what Dick Kaufman suggested was like, look at your week, right? Look at, look at, look at the calendar items on your week. Uh, and then as you think about each of the things that you have this week, where is it that you need Jesus to show up and pray the Lord's prayer into those meetings? Uh, and, so, and so where is that test, right? Where, where you're going to be tempted to despair. You're going to be tempted to put your, all of your identity in the grade that you get. And how do you pray, Lord, help me not to do that? Where is that meeting where you're going to meet with somebody and you're already at odds with them and you're, the, the prayer of your heart has to be, Lord, 
help me to enter into that meeting with a spirit of forgiveness because this individual uh, is not treating me the way that I think I need, be, need to be treated. And so you see, you take all of these ideas that we've been talking about and just really simply like bring them all to what's going to happen tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., right? Wherever you are tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., we need the Lord's Prayer. Tuesday at noon, we need the Lord's Prayer, right? Wednesday in the afternoon, Thursday mid-morning, Friday as we're winding up the week. These petitions that the Lord gives us and instructs us to pray, those are the petitions that help us to understand how is it that I need Jesus to show up in my life? And guess what? Like, he's inviting you to do that. Right? He's not, he's not up there saying, why do you all keep pestering me? Just get your act together. That's not what he's doing. He wants to hear from you. He wants to answer you. And he, so he's inviting you, he's inviting us to pray persistently, ask, seek, knock, and pray expectantly because when you seek, you find. When you uh, ask, you will get, get an answer. And when you knock, the door will be open to you. You see what prayer is? It's this amazing thing. I hope that throughout either the, the, the sermon series and those of you that have joined us uh, in the prayer groups that we had uh, over the last several weeks uh, and the prayers that we've been doing after the sermon, that you've gotten a taste of what a powerful thing we have at our disposal as Jesus' followers uh, to be able to talk directly to our King. So let's pray to him right now, uh, and, uh, and then we'll move on to the next part of our service. Father, we, uh, we come to you uh, and, uh, and ask that you would help us to receive the invitation that you have given to us to pray. Help us, Lord, uh, to, to pray persistently uh, and to pray expectantly. For those of us, Lord, who see you as uh, a, a, a soldier standing outside of Buckingham Palace, unmoved. Help us to see you as a father who loves us and who is willing to answer our needs. For those of us, Lord, who are tempted to see you as a vending machine who will give us whatever we want, Lord, help us to look to the petitions of the Lord's Prayer and see the guides that you have given to us to shape the way that we pray. But in all of this, Lord, help form us into a people of prayer uh, because nothing will happen if we are not a people of prayer. And so we ask that you do this for, for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.